Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church and School right here in the heart of Chicago. I pray that you find hope and peace in the message of Christ and Him crucified for you in your life right now. Thank you for listening. And please, if you'd like to support the mission going on right here, uh, please go to our webpage, stjames-lutheran.org to donate. Thank you. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Grab a seat. The perfect church, if you're new here, the first time you've come here, this is the perfect church. It is. I know. You know who's laughing? The members are laughing right now. It is, though. It's the perfect church. I've been called to the perfect church. I mean, what a wonderful surprise. It's the first thing Pastor Keating said when he got called here. I got to go. I'm a pastor of the perfect church. Wow. It's true. I want you to leave here really getting that. This is the perfect church. We laugh because it doesn't always look like it, does it? And maybe some of you have been on journeys looking for the perfect church. And maybe some of you are here because you left a church that's not the perfect church, didn't have exactly what you wanted, this crazy youth group or a slide that takes you from the sanctuary down to the community center, or I don't know what you're looking for in the perfect church, or the pastor wasn't as exciting as you thought you needed. I don't know, but I bet you've been to a lot of different churches, and I bet you've been disappointed, and I bet some of you are thinking, where is that perfect church? Well, you found it. It's here. G.K. Chesterton, who I really enjoy, great, we're looking for a great writer, early 20th century, says some shockingly relevant things for us living today. Have a phrase that I think might be one of the dumbest things he ever said. He says this, but I think you might get it. He says, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and left untried. Does that make sense? So people complain, oh, I don't really believe in Christianity because, you know, it doesn't really work. I've I've met Christians, etc. Chesterton says, well, it's not Christianity's fault, it's our fault. It's not really been tried. No one's really set out to make the perfect church because it's too difficult. And I think that mirrors what a lot of us think. This or that church we don't like, we left, we're church shoppers etc. As a pastor, I came out of seminary with ideals, just like Chesterton, that I'm going to come out and I'm going to form this great church. The gospel is going to be preached. People are going to pack Sunday school, etc. Everyone's going to get along, love each other, share everything together, and together working, going to change the neighborhood, evangelize, and just be a powerhouse in my first church was Chillicothe, Ohio. Anybody been to Chillicothe, Ohio? Paper factory, you can smell it from a ways away. Anyhow, in Appalachia, a great place. We all have ideals of the perfect 
church. Paul talks about it here. He describes what the church should look like here, and I think we should take it to heart. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, sisters and brothers, by the mercy of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. This is what the perfect church looks like. And as I think it's important, your bodies as living sacrifices. Nowhere in the New Testament does tithe uh, ever, is the word tithe ever used. It's full and complete body sacrifice. There's no 10%. You are called to serve one another and not just, well, I mean, prayer is important, but literally with your bodies all the time, making someone else's life better. With your body, doesn't mean just physical body, though it does. Your body is not yours for your own pleasure, and that sounds shocking today's culture actually, and to unsadly a lot of Christians, your body's not yours to do with what you want. It doesn't follow rules that you want to invent. Paul says you use your body to serve others, a living sacrifice, caring for, helping the needy, seeing if someone needs a handshake, a hello, a hug, whatever that is, you're there to lay yourself down for the other to care for others. Paul also calls Christians to submit to one another, each person, looking for ways to make the other person's life better. Does that sound like St. James to you? Sometimes. Does it sound like you to you? Well, sometimes. Are you always just looking every morning, waking up? and seeing how can I serve my wife? Because that is the first church right there, the family, by the way. How can I make her life better, etc. Sometimes. Paul goes on to talk about the perfect church. And, don't, and take this seriously. I'm not saying don't make fun of this. This is what Paul tells us to do. For by the grace given to me, he says, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. Are we sober? No, I'm not going to ask that question. <laughs> Humility. Don't think too much of yourself. We can lay our life down, as Paul says. We can not think too much of ourselves because God has given us everything. If God has sacrificed his whole self for you, if, he, if you now know that you're forgiven and will rise again, you can be a living sacrifice for others. You, cannot, you don't need to think highly about yourself. You don't need to be concerned about your identity and your reputation and that people think that you're awesome. You don't need to worry about that. God's got you. You can be this living sacrifice because you're going to rise. So you can, sac you can give to others. You don't need to worry about tomorrow. God's got this. You can not think highly about yourself. You are absolutely a person here by God's grace. The only reason you're a part of his church is because he found you when you were nothing, gave you everything in Christ, forgave you of all your sins, and made you part of everything here at St. James in God's church in eternity. So the perfect church has people with no ego, right? Have you ever noticed the ego at St. James? Oh, boy. 
We got egos at St. James. You people are successful because of your ego a lot of times. Huh. Well, maybe we're not the perfect church, huh? Let's see, Paul says this. For as in one body we have many members. Have you heard this before by Paul? He says this a couple times. He says this in Corinthians, you know, this beautiful orchestration, right? The body of Christ and individual members and talents, and somehow God takes them all and makes a beautiful choir out of it. It makes that church sing in this beautiful way. And Paul goes on, uh, we're all, we're one body, many members. Doesn't matter what you do. I'm the pastor here, but like I said to those little kids, you are an important part of St. James. You have an important talent or skill that God has brought here, and it's no greater or better than mine. We all belong to that body. We walk in unity, working together, serving one another so that others may see there's hope in this city and in this God and that it's possible that people do get along through forgiveness. Is that St. James? This looks like the perfect church. Do you feel this? Have you are you sacrificing everything for the Lord in your daily life, let alone here? Are you coming to church and seeing how I can help? I encourage you to, by the way. I'm not making fun of this. This is what Paul tells us to do. In this coming couple of months, we're going to have this new ministry campaign of looking how we can expand our presence in the lives of people throughout Chicago, how we can bring hope and peace to more and more people. And part of that is getting more people engaged and a part of, whether it's greeting at the, at the door there and saying hello or taking care of our our food for the fellowship times, or uh, hosting a, one of our Connect Group Bible studies. I hope more and more people see themselves as an important part of the body of Christ and are willing to share for the benefit of the other. But we don't always do that. Sometimes we don't give our best. I certainly hold back when it comes to giving. I might need that tomorrow. I certainly worry about my retirement or future. I don't know if I can give or care and risk that because I might need it and I don't trust that God provides. And I certainly don't always like you <laughs> and just lovingly care and not think about myself. Anybody else not so perfect in this perfect church? And this church doesn't always get along perfectly. And there are debates and arguments on council sometimes. Not too bad, by the way, but there has been. And we don't always look like the greatest thing since sliced cheese. And, and man, as a pastor, sometimes I am disappointed. Am I doing enough? Am I leading right? Shouldn't we be bigger by now? Sometimes I feel like this is not the perfect church. It's very frustrating as a pastor, actually. Very stressful. I want every single pew to be filled. That's why we removed two pews, so I have two, two less pews to fill. I really do. I think that we can be this amazing place of bringing the gospel and hope and peace and being a light in this crazy, toxic city. 
And I believe there are people that are desperately, they would love to know, but no one's told them that God is actually for them, that God actually loves them, and we're not there, and they don't know. Man, I feel like a failure often. Not perfect. But we are. This is exactly the right church. This is the perfect church. And it is because Jesus, and not because of me, and not because of you, because Jesus put his name on this. Because Jesus built this church, not Joel Hess. And he built it for himself and not me. Look at Matthew 16. He says, uh, he's in the Caesarea Philippi. He asks the disciple, who do people say the Son of Man is? And then he says, who do you say I am? And Simon, speaking for the whole group, by the way, he's not speaking for himself. Obviously, when you read this in context, he's speaking for all the disciples. And he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And look, listen what he says next. And Jesus answers him and says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't figure this out yourself, by the way, but the Father revealed this to you. So, Simon, you have... This is not because you're a genius. God blessed you to see this. Then he says this. I tell you, looks right at Simon. You are, and he gives him a nickname, the rock. There's no such thing as a name Peter. Before this phrase, nobody in the Greco-Roman or Jewish world was called Peter or Petra. Jesus is absolutely calling him Rocky for the first time because he wants them to connect on this. So he says, you are the rock, and on this rock, I'm going to build my church. Now, think about that. It was only a couple chapters earlier (coughs) that Mr. Peter was a hero who's going to do it by himself and walk out from the boat. No one asked him to. No one told him to. It was his wish dream of what the perfect church looks like. And what happened to Peter? He went down. He had to be saved completely by Jesus. And Jesus is saying, out of this rock, a rock, Peter, a wishy-washy Peter, who's later on, after this inspiring speech by God himself, is going to uh, lay his life down before a servant girl. A little girl is going to say, do you know this Jesus? And Peter's going to be so scared and faithless that he's going to say, no. Not at all. And yet Jesus is saying, out of this rock, I'm going to build my church. So what does the perfect church look like? It looks like a bunch of people like Peter, like you, like me. Sometimes look pretty good, sometimes don't look too good. Mostly I'm the one drowning and saying, save me to Jesus. But it's the perfect church because Jesus builds it. Out of this rock, out of you, Peter, out of you, out of you, out of those little people up here, I'm going to build my church. You think Jesus is messing around? You think Jesus makes junk? No. He builds his church out of those foolish disciples. He's building it out of you. And it's exactly how it should be. Bunch of sinners living completely by grace learning to forgive more than they are to do good works, learning to say, I'm sorry, more than they are, look at me. That's the perfect church. 
people clinging to Christ. We are the perfect church because he says so, not because we look like it. In the Apostles' Creed, what do we say? I believe in the holy Christian church. Think about that. We don't see it because it doesn't look like it all the time. We believe it. Just like we believe that we are saints because Jesus says so. He died for us. We are forgiven through the power of holy baptism. You are a saint. Do you look like it all the time? No. It's called grace. And just like we believe when we look to a man on a cross being made fun of, that that's God. The perfect God who loves us perfectly in his suffering, in his weakness, giving us his greatness, his righteousness, and making us church. And by God, we are going to, by his power, do exactly what he says, crash the gates of hell with the good news. And he has been doing that through his church throughout the centuries. And he will do that through St. James, even through us, a bunch of Peters. He will bring that hope. He will expand this place. More people will come to faith. This church will grow. And we will be more present, or more importantly, God will be more present in the lives of people in this city than ever before. Because this is a great time to be his church. And people need it more than ever. In Jesus' name, amen.